everyone. Welcome to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Monday. It's November 2nd. It's 2020. We're here for the Week 8 Football Review Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Jordan Cooper, Blenderhead. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, it was pretty much a, a wash uh, the, this Sunday. Uh, lost a little, small amount. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you know, if you, if you only have like a minus 4% ROI on a day that that's a that's a winning day especially uh for for GPPs yeah it was a it was a really good day in cash for me um tournaments was hit or miss like I played a lot of Dalvin Cook um but it was it was not um not not in the good spot so um there was like I was looking through my tournament teams before we got started and like some of the duds that I had today like I wouldn't have changed it like you know so Days like that, I'm okay with Blender. I'm okay with days like that. Um, and like, I was super excited too when I was like looking through some of the the teams that won tournaments on like how correlated teams were this week uh, that took down big top tournaments. Well, that's what we always say: correlation and leverage doesn't mean that that it always hits. Just to, it increases the variance in your lineup to put yourself in the position that if the, you get the right, games right the combinations, right. That you're more likely to get a ceiling score, you know, come in first or come in last types of scoring rather than kind of in the middle in that min cash zone. For sure. Um, so if you are new, welcome. Um, we go through talk cash games, talk about our cash lineups, uh, for DraftKings. The show is mostly for DraftKings because we have the data, we have the CSVs, we can look at results DB and go over, tournaments and cash games and who's playing what what did we miss stuff like that so um i'm really interested to to see your take on my cash lineup this week like i i at 101 i was like i knew i knew when we did this show um we record on sunday night i knew when we did this show i was gonna be like i can't wait to hear what his thoughts are on my cash lineup this week so um i'll let you start lead off bat lead off here um run through what you thought for cash games this week and then what you kind of ended up on. Okay. I thought this was one of the most interesting cash slates uh, I've ever played in NFL uh, from a strategic standpoint. Uh, if, if you, if you're a sharper player, you probably knew why uh, most of the, the projected value was in the Seattle San Francisco game. So it was late swap city. There were eight games at one, three games at four. So depending on which direction you took your lineup, you could now make adjustments and either make up ground or block other people. So that was a very, very big part of, uh, of my process in cash games. And since I knew that many cash lineups were going to be correlated I had an opportunity since I could better predict the lineups that I'm going to be facing. This is primarily in higher stakes In lower stakes. You pretty much play the best medium build and don't worry about, you know, second level, third level type of thinking. But since I do, I can't play, I can't play the $1, $3 double ups and head to heads. So I'm playing against a lot of, a lot of, a lot of pretty decent players. So I thought it was a good week for a lot of head to heads, a lot of three mans, a lot of triple ups if I could better predict, and they're going to be correlated lineups. So a correlated lineup would be Jimmy G, Kendrick Bourne, 
uh, George Kittle, Tyler Lockett, like almost like a like you would look at it as a GPP lineup, a three plus one, a two plus one, two plus you know, like it, that it's going to be correlated with that game. Which means if that game does well, then most of the players do well. If that game doesn't do well, most of the players do bad. So you're going to have more variant results. So because I could do that, uh, I, I could limit, I could lower the variance in my lineup by not making my players correlated. And then then having the opportunity to make up ground or block people in the four o'clock games if I want to. Okay, so I'll get into more of that. I don't want to go into a 20-minute long conversation, but I do a podcast, Theory of DFS podcast with Eric Bime for, also here at Roto-Grinders, and I plan on talking about that a lot because that that there's a lot of game theory that goes involved in that. So my cash lineup, I knew was not optimal, okay? Just like you, Stevie, right? You play a lot of single entries. Every, every week. Right, okay? <laughs> so it's, the, it's, it's a lineup that I knew was about a point and a half lower in median, but it was less correlated. And I purposely played this lineup. So like I, I, I actually put a couple of hundred bucks in like the lineup that I would have played. And it, it came out a, a point apart from each other. So it wouldn't, it really wouldn't have mattered. I, I mean, I, I pretty much broke even cash games. So that it, it, it was a wash regardless. So I had a Jimmy G at quarterback. I uh, three running backs in my lineup. It was uh, Kareem Hunt, Jamal Williams, and Alvin Kamara. Then at wide receiver, Keenan Allen, AJ Green, Denzel Mims. Then in my tight end spot, I had Travis Kelsey and the Packers defense. Okay, I knew Kittle was chalk. I knew it. I mean, I, 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 there was no, there's no question about it. Uh, at the quarterback position, uh, in the beginning of the week. It was like, do you play Jimmy G? Do you play Burrow? Do you play Derek Carr? From Because you were probably paying down at quarterback. Then all the weather conditions started happening, and these totals just started dropping. So the, the, the Raiders total, th- that game, went down seven and a half points. The, the Titans-Bengals game went down five and a half points. So that, obviously that lowers the projections for the quarterbacks. But the Seattle-San Francisco game, no problem. That that game at a 54 total. So by the by end of the week, pretty much the only option is Garoppolo. I can understand Burrow. He does throw the ball a lot. You could have played him. But I think you're prim- primarily paying down. If you played Stafford or Rivers, I mean, I played a lot of them in GPP. I don't think that's horrible. Uh, but, uh, but I think it was a pay down position. At the running back spots, okay. If you, if you, the, 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 the options you had were pretty much Hunt, Kamara, Henry and Jamal Williams. Williams. Yeah. Well, uh, if you did play Jacobs, I don't think that's crazy. If you played Gaskin, even, I don't think that's crazy. And then if you late swapped and played DJ Dallas at 4K, that's not crazy if, if you were able to and you had a spot and you didn't have to leave 3000 on the table. Yeah, sure. You, you could have done that if we have known that information, uh, not by Jay Glazer about a minute after lock, that most likely they were all going to sit. But at wide receiver, pool of players was pretty simple, like very condensed. Uh, Keenan Allen, by far. Then Denzel Mims, or you could have played Braxton Berrios. I, I would, I, either or, fine. Both of them, even if you wanted to. Uh, Tyler Lockett and any of the, you could have played Bourne. You could have played Ayuk even. I put Ayuk at the bottom of the list because he's 5,800. 
But that that was pretty much the wide receiver pool. If you wanted to play Kenny Galladay, I know he got injured and he got zero points. I, I think that, that was like at the bottom of that list. And like, I wouldn't call you completely nuts. Find the 400 and get Tyler Lockett. Then at tight end, if you were going up, you were playing Kittle. If you, Waller was kind of uh, because of the game conditions. But if you did play him, I don't think you're crazy. If you were in the middle, like you played Hunter Henry or Jonu Smith. And then if you wanted to punt with like a Harrison Bryant or something, I do or whatever, that, that, that's fine. And then at defense, I know defense is whatever, but you were either playing like the Saints or the Packers or the Titans or the Dolphins. And if you played the Dolphins, yeah, you got lucky. But I mean, they, they were the cheap 2,400. That was fine. I mean, it just so happened they scored, what, 20, 23 points or something? But it's defense. It's very variant. So my, my original build had Kittle and the Dolphins' defense. I changed it to Kelsey and the Packers. Uh, I didn't mind playing Bourne, but I thought A.J. Green had a higher floor. Turns out he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> turns out it didn't matter. Uh, so that's what I decided to do, knowing that my opponent's lineups would be correlated, and then look, and then planning the swaps. So after I planned that if A.J. Green and Travis Kelsey dudded, I cut my, my in my lineup right now for the late games. I have, I have three spots: Garoppolo, Allen, and Kamara. Depending on where what what the status of my lineup, I could simply switch Allen to Ayuk and be done. And that, like, if I need if I need it, and I'll have I'll have leverage against Bourne and Kittle in that lineup. I could also take uh, take Allen, bring him down to Bourne, and then bring Jimmy G up to Russell Wilson. So if I need leverage that way to make up ground. And then if I wanted to, if I got like ceiling game from like AJ Brown, uh, AJ Green and uh, and Kelsey, I could have blocked. So instead of playing Kamara and Allen, I could have moved uh, Allen up to Tyler Lockett and then Kamara down and play double tight end and play Kittle in the flex. So I block and I have Jimmy G already, so now now I'm blocking people that most likely have the ceiling guys that that are correlated in their lineups. I didn't move because Kelsey had a great game, and uh, AJ Green didn't. But I didn't think I had to. I didn't have, think I had to move. In most of my cash games, Kelsey was like three percent owned. So like, and Kelsey and, and Kittle was thirty three percent owned. So I thought I was I was fine there. And the Dolphins defense wasn't owned enough in cash games. So uh, Packers putting up a zero, who cares? So the the, the difference between the two, uh, Kelsey put up 28, uh, Packers put up zero. Kittle put up like four and the Dolphins put up like what, 23? Like it's a one point difference. It would have made the difference in maybe a couple of head-to-heads. But other than that, that that pretty much, I could have gone born Kittle. I could have done that type of lineup with the Saints defense. I know that was the blitz optimal. Uh, and that scored a little bit lower. I think that scored at 110. So uh, at the end of the day, like if you were making a combination of those types of players that I named, you you at least were not doing what most of the sharper players in the higher state contest were doing. So yeah, like for me this week, I, I started the week like looking at Burrow as my quarterback. Like he was the guy that like I originally had started um, – so 
throughout the week, you know, obviously the weather impacted a lot of stuff for this weekend. And like, you have to pay attention to it when it's as bad as it was, right? Like if it's drizzling, if it's rain, I usually leave those guys in for what it's worth. Like I, I will leave those guys in. I'll play a little bit of weather. Um, so I went Garoppolo at quarterback and cash. Like you said, we were kind of looking at paying down. He was the chalk. Um, I paired him with um, Ayuk. Like, you know, I knew he was expensive, but he had seemed to, you know, be building building up a Garoppolo. So um, we got bailed out by, was it Mullins that came in for Ayuk? Because Garoppolo stunk. Um, so, but then I went Hunt Williams at running back. I ended up playing four wide receivers in cash this week. I almost never do that. I almost always you, play. You said I was going to complain so far. You're mentioning all the players that, that I mentioned. Okay, so here you go. This is what I did this week. Um, let me so get. I, let me, can I guess? Can I? Can I try okay. to guess? No, go can for I it. Try to guess. Yeah, I. I'm going to guess you played Devonte Adams. I did not. Oh, 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 okay. Now, now I'm intrigued. I played Metcalf and Lockett with Ayuk and Garoppolo. Um, so I ended up scoring 140 points. I had the Miami defense. Um, and I had Waller at tight end, and I had Mims. So 140 points. It was a good cash week. Um. Like, I really, to be honest, Jordan, I was debating, like, on Lockett and Metcalf, and I had Cook in my flex spot. So, like, honestly, it wouldn't have mattered. Because either way, I was playing, like, Metcalf, Lockett, or Cook. um, Like, two of those guys. So, um, it wouldn't have really mattered. Like, had I ended up on Cook over Lockett, it would have mattered a lot. Like, obviously, Cook had a monster game. Lockett stunk, so... And then I couldn't get up to Kittle at tight end, and I liked my lineup, so I just played Waller. I thought he would, even with the wind and the weather, I thought like five to eight catches, and if he scored a touchdown, I'd be good. But he put up 7.8. He didn't kill me. So I um I went full game stack, man. That Those weather games bothered me, and I was like, you know what? It looks good. This game has a high total. And, it you know, Lockett disappointed, but the combo of – Metcalf and Lockett come together, scored 50 points. So I can't complain. Right. I mean, you could do that. I mean, instead of trying to guess who's the guy that's going to get the production, you just make sure you get all of it. So you, you definitely, I mean, that that's definitely an option. If you, if you wanted to do it, I understand. Uh, you thought I was going to make fun of your lineup. I, I didn't say you'd make fun of it. I, I said, I was interested to hear what you thought because I did end up playing like a game stack type of lineup in cash. Yeah, but most people did. So that that's the yeah. point that I was making before. I mean, most people half their cash lineup was going to be part of the Seattle San Francisco game. Like I I knew people it, what combination? Sure you did that combination, but it could have been, you know, some people played Bourne and Kittle. Some people just played Kittle. Some people played Kittle and Lockett. Some people played Metcalf and Ayuk. Some I mean like it just the whole game was the chalk in cash games and just depending on on, on who you built around them. And like, did you play Derrick Henry over Kamara? Uh, at the end, it really didn't matter that much. It was a three-point difference. Uh, you know, Kareem Hunt sucked, but he was like, he was massively owned. If we go to the the difference between the two, we always look at this in results, DB. This is what you should be doing. I know I say this, and Stevie says this every week. Results DB is by far the biggest teaching tool that you could ever have to learn how to play DFS better. It's how I learn how to play. If 
I once they once once Roto Grinders, I was a subscriber. You know, just like you listening out there, if you were a subscriber, it's free, so you don't even have to subscribe. Once they came out with this, I'm like, now this is easy. I used to download the CSVs. I used to click on contests. Now, now I could. We just had to do it the old school way, <laughs> right? Now, oh no, I, I don't have to do that anymore. I could just okay. What did these guys play in cash games? What did these guys play in tournaments? Why did they play these constructions? And then you 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 figure it out from there, and you could learn a lot. So, uh, like Kareem Hunt didn't matter in ca- cash games pretty much. He scored like nine points, but he was eighty four percent owned in two hundred fifty dollar double up. He had $25 double up. He was 72% owned. Same for Jamal Williams. Like we have guys like in, in the, in the, in the higher stakes, Garoppolo was 62. Mims was 63. Allen was 64. Williams 65. Hunt 84. So whatever they scored didn't really matter all that much. Uh, Kamara was higher owned in the high stakes compared to the low state, lower stakes. We don't have the $5 double up up in results DB yet. So I'm looking at the $25 double up. It's probably a little bit lower in the $5 double up. Uh, Kittle was higher owned in the higher stakes. Bourne was higher owned in the higher stakes. John, who was higher owned in the higher stakes. Lockett about the same. Ayuk about the same. AJ Green about the same. Uh, I mean, the defense is about the same. So, I mean, I mean, I could also see what the swaps were. I mean, Metcalf was a little bit more owned in, in the high stakes because I knew that there were swaps. But like someone like Devonte Adams was more owned in the lower stakes because that construction just like didn't it didn't fit. Uh, if you if you played Adams, I don't know. I'm, I mean, yes, you probably got there anyway because you probably played like a Bourne or you played Mims and Berrios. You know, you 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 played Gaskin as a cheap running back or something like that, or you played the Dolphins defense and it didn't matter because when they scored the twenty three points, it's sure that can make up anything. Uh, but I I don't think that was the the, the best construction there so this is what this is what you do you take a look at the difference between lower stakes and high stakes and i'm not not all high stakes players are great there are plenty there are plenty of bad players that that just have a lot of money but for the most part the sharper players that play more for a living right to make money are in the higher stakes so seeing what that difference is who did you play who did they play even if even if the players did bad so if you're out there going i can't believe i played jimmy garoppolo in my double ups it's like, well, you made the decision that most of the sharp players made, right? And it didn't even matter if you, uh, probably in the lower stakes, it meant like t- this was a type of week, Stevie, that it was easier to cash in double ups at high stakes than in low stakes because of the discrepancy in ownership of Kareem Hunt and Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Because like I looked at uh, the lower stakes, some of my contests, like the $5 or whatever, I was like seven points, you know, out of out of first four points out of out of the, the the cash line, and then like in the two fifty double up, like I'm four points inside the cash line. So and then that's not because the the lower stakes are harder. It's just that the sharper players, the sharper the players in the games, just didn't do as well. So the difference in ownership of fourteen percent on on twelve percent on Hunt and Garoppolo, the difference was like nearly twenty percent. Yeah, when Garoppolo puts up three points, if and if 62% of the field has him, it's much different than if only 46% of the field have him. But the process is correct. You should not be judging based on what were the best lineups. You want to be judging based on who were the best players and what did they play. And they played Garoppolo. So if you played Garoppolo in cash and got three <laughs> points, like you made the, yeah, 
what else are you going to do? Make, do, do you want to make the choice of people that, that play this game well, profitably, long-term? Yes. Then, well, they chose Garoppolo. And that, 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 that was the obvious choice uh, with all the weather and, and with Carr and Burrow kind of losing their luster. Yeah, and like Garoppolo was 34% in the giant $5 single entry. Um, so like big difference, huge difference. Um, I downloaded the CSV really quick and looked at it. So um, I, yeah, I was that just, discrepancy. I, was, I mean, look, between high huge. stakes, it's like double. So like uh, when you have a quarterback that has three points, like you're when he's 60% owned, you're not screwed. But when he's only 30% owned, like you're in you trouble. Chosen any other quarterback and you have to make up like 15 points at least. Yeah. Like anytime that happens, like it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you're, you're chasing. Um, the second highest owned was Russell or Joe Burrow at 13.3%. Russell Wilson was 10%. Herbert was 7.6% in double up. So um, you were, you were behind if you played Garoppolo in the, in like the $5 stuff. But like you're saying though, like look at, He's 34% in the five and 62.4%, like 30% difference. So again, what we're trying to get at is if you play Garoppolo in cash this week, you didn't make a bad decision. Like don't be results based. Um, He was 5,400 facing one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Throw out everything else with the weather. Like he was in play before all the weather. And then like he became even more in play. So um, really quick before we like move over to tournaments and stuff, I think running back was interesting this week because you knew Hunt and Williams were going to be massive chalk. Like there was no way around like any, any really any stakes that you kind of look at. Both of those guys were over 50% this week in cash games. Um, like there, there was obviously the third running back builds where you could go Kamara, you could go Henry, um, some people want Jonathan Taylor. I don't think like he didn't do well, but I don't think that was a bad decision. Um, I think it was. It was not a bad decision. It yes, was not. it was. It's six thousand six hundred. Nope. A guy that that has other running backs in his backfield. Get out of here. It was not a bad decision. Oh, it's a horrible decision. No, you're no. I don't care that Sammy Reed played him. It, uh, he should. He got he got roasted. <laughs> Listen to the guild cast. He played Jonathan Taylor and Deontay Johnson in cash games. And, and, well, he, and Deontay Johnson and got, is a little... and he swapped and he got there. He shouldn't have been. He should, I, you know. Actually, he swapped and he still missed. So, but it, it was one of the few times because he swapped from like onto Metcalf and he ended up. He could have had if he didn't swap, he would have had like sixty points in cash games. No, it's a horrible that they all think it's a horrible decision. So, I mean, even Sammy would say it himself. I don't think Jonathan Taylor was a horrible decision. Um, he was someone <laughs> I was looking at before lock. So, uh, Gaskin was another one. You know, him and Giovanni Bernard, I think both of those guys were third running back options for cash games. Like if you wanted to get Metcalf or Adams or one of these top end wide receivers, lock it like, you know, pre-lock Allen. Um, you could look at like Geo, you could look at like Gaskin. Gaskin was um, a little bit higher owned in the, the lower dollar stuff, the higher dollar stuff. He didn't get a ton of ownership in there, but um I, I saw a build that had Gaskin and I saw a build that had Geo in the flex um, as like a third running back that I liked, but I don't mind. The, I don't mind those two, those two guys. I don't mind, but yeah, I, I love Taylor. 
<laughs> I love Dalvin Cook, man. I wish I didn't talk myself off of it. I played a lot of him in tournaments this week, but um, I did not expect it to go as well as it did. Um, but yeah, so um, let's go ahead. For... We got to start scolding people. We have plenty of scolds for tournaments. But yeah, I, I do want to start with tournaments. I want to look at uh, a team really quick. But before I do that, like wide receiver, you kind of went over it. Keenan Allen was super chalk. He was a great play. I didn't end up on it because I ended up doing the, the Seattle San Francisco stack and I needed Mims to do that. So like I didn't end up on Allen. He was probably one of the safer cash game plays. Um, and he's going to be until they raise his price. I don't know if they, if pricing's up for next week, but Mims or Barrios, like you said, Ayuk, um, Ayuk or Bourne, fine. Lockett, fine. Like AJ Green was way cheap. Uh, he was fine. If you wanted to pay up for Adams, I didn't hate that. Um, but yeah, like it's kind of it. Uh, you know, I saw that some people played like um, Allen Robinson in cash um, and some head to heads and stuff, but like I lost a couple three minutes to Allen Robinson team, so I might just be bitter. But, I think it was a swap. I I think that probably was Lockett, and then they switched to Robinson. Yeah, I'll have to. I would have to go back and look, but I he wasn't someone that I was. I, I think I even X him in tournaments this week. I wasn't considering him at all this week. Really? Then I'm scolding you. Then no, my run back. I had my run back was Jimmy Graham. I, I didn't okay, like. Okay. I, okay. I didn't play a lot of Kittle this week, and we'll get into that when we talk tournaments. But like. I even said it in the afternoon expert survey. I said the best way to be different on the afternoon slate, the three game slate was just don't play George Kittle. Like he's going to be, and he was so massively chalk. Um, so no, like that was my run back um, for Kamara was Jimmy Graham. Um, and I think I had a, a couple teams at Mooney too. So that's why I didn't play Alvin Robinson. So I saw your face. You're like, you were, you were getting ready. Know, you were like, you knew what I was going to be like. If you're playing <laughs> Kamara, why aren't you playing the bears? Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I played I, I played a little Kamara with just the Saints defense as well. Um, so all right, let's um let's get into tournaments. I don't think there's anything else to really talk about. I listen, I know the Dolphins defense smashed, but defense doesn't matter. They were they like even if you didn't play the Dolphins defense, they weren't gonna kill you. Um like they were what 15% owned. Yeah, well you're not gonna board. win a GPP without them. Oh well, yeah, I'm talking cash games though. Like defense doesn't matter in cash. Yeah, so. Um, like I I could have gotten zero from the Dolphins defense and still put up 120 points, so I I would have been okay. So, um, let's talk tournaments. I, I did like we we always start with like the negative, but like the team that won the 20 entry max this week on DraftKings 100k to first place. I love this team. Um. Like there was a lot of correlation in this team. We talk about how your your lineups kind of have to tell a story, and like it was it was good to see some correlation. Um, and then like there was a couple teams that were up here right before like the end of the San Francisco game that were like really heavily correlated too. So um, let's talk tournaments. I'll let you um you could you could kind of I already kind of know where you're going. Um, but but go at it. Okay, so I'm. Well, I'm looking across tournaments, results DB. I, we do a lot of this stuff. We talk about this on this show, and I also tweet about it. So if you want to follow me on Twitter at BlenderHD, you know, I'll, I'll show some of these screens on Twitter, and I tweet out and go, here are the differentials. And, you know, this is, this is how you learn. But uh, looking – because we had the 1K Millie also. I didn't play it, but 
It, it replaced the Wildcats. So you had the 1K Millie, the Double Spy, which is a, a single entry contest, the Slant, but it was a small Slant because they made the Millie $10. So that was a kind of smaller $9 Slant, the Millie and the Play Action. Okay. So obviously, I, I just I want to harp on concepts over and over again that the, the contest that you're in, the ownership is different. If you're playing a smaller tournament, you're playing a higher stakes tournament, you're playing with weaker players, stronger players. So you'll see humongous disparities between, between uh, ownership. Like Denzel Mims in the Mega Millionaire was 33% owned. In the play action, he was 12% owned. Yep. So like, I'm not saying that Denzel Mims was a bad play. But Denzel Mims was a $3,200 wide receiver for the New York Jets. Okay. Uh, you could have played Barrios instead. You could have played Deontay Harris for the Saints with all their receivers out. You could have played Darnell Mooney. You could have played Danny Amendola. You could have played, uh, who else was that? Kendrick Bourne. It's a couple of uh, 300 more. There were other receivers that really weren't much different than Denzel Mims. And I know what you're going to say. Well, in the second half of the game before, he got, you know, eight targets or something. It's like it's a one-game sample size. Like the difference in the ownership between, like in the Mega Millionaire, Mims was 33% and Berrios was 9%. In the play action, it was like 12 to 3. So like it's like a four times difference in ownership. And then if you want to play Deontay Harris, in the play action, it was 3%. 8% in the Mega Millionaire. If you wanted to play Bourne, Bourne was 20% in the Mega Millionaire, but only 10% in the play action. So you could get so much more leverage uh, if you could identify the chalk at higher stakes and pivot off it. That's why when I said I didn't play Kittle in cash games, it's just like, I know, I know I'm getting way more leverage because I play higher stakes cash games. He's going to be chalkier than he is even at my even at my five dollar double ups. So I know that if I'm right, if because I saw on the two hundred and fifty dollar double up, it was like thirty three percent Kittle, three percent Kelsey. It's like so Kittle has to beat Kelsey ten times ten times more often. That's not going to happen. I'm getting like free EV by doing that. And then if I'm right, I get three times my money because I'm in triple ups or whatever. So that's the same concept that you would use for GPPs. So like Keenan Allen. The difference wasn't that great, but it's probably more likely that higher stakes players identified that Allen was going to be chalky and they pivoted and tried to find leverage off of him. They didn't necessarily do it on Mims because there were, uh, if he was the best play at the three K price range, they just played him. But as we always point out every week, like you said before with Kamara in the, I'm going to go by the lowest stakes or just go by the Millie, the $10 Millie. The Kamara was 16% owned. Allen Robinson was 1% owned. Darnell Mooney was 2% owned. And then we have Kareem Hunt. On the other side of Kareem Hunt is like, like Waller was 16% owned. And Ruggs was 5% owned. Like the disparities of the, the correlated sides are always like pretty ridiculous because less people seem to correlate. And then for instance, here's, here's the one that, that I didn't, that I didn't get. Uh, Denzel Mims was like cheap chalk, but the chiefs came in 
they they weren't unowned, but they had a 35 implied team total on a slate where all these totals are dropping. And they themselves had a 35. And the narrative was that, oh, they're just going to blow them out and whatever. Like they're, they're, they're projected to score five touchdowns. Who's scoring those five touchdowns? They blow them out and somehow Hill, Kelsey, and Mahomes have no, nothing to do with it. How does that happen? <laughs> so obviously they're going to score. So if you're going to play Mims, so I looked in the, the Millie. I downloaded I looked at this. I look at these things myself. So Mims was 15% owned. Tyreek Hill was 15% owned. So you go, okay, they're both owned. But the overlap was only 3% of lineups in the contest. So the 12% of people had one or the other and not them both together. And then if they take Mims and I go and I look at like Mahomes, right? So that would be, Mims would be the run back in a stack. Okay, because you could always play Mims and Hill against each other or Kelsey without the quarterback as a secondary correlation. But let's say you wanted to play him as a run back. So Mahomes was 8% owned. Mims was 15% owned, but they only showed up together in about 2.5% of lineups. So it's the same type of thing that we say like every Monday on this podcast (laughs) that like why why are you playing Mims as a one-off in GPP? because he's the highest owned player at that price range. And if Mims has, if, if the Jets keep it close, you would have to think that the Chiefs that, well, then, then the narrative doesn't, doesn't work anymore of the Chiefs blow him out in garbage time, you know, like that type of crap. Like, so you want Mahomes and like, it, it seems obvious if you're playing Berrios and he's getting these four yard slot routes and he's going to put up a 20 point score. That Hill, Kelsey, Robinson, Hardman, whoever, Ch. We'll get. We'll get to some. We'll get to another guy. Uh, that I. I. I can't believe it. So, man, we'll get to it right now. Well, I got. I got one. I got one for you, really quick. Like, okay. There's nobody on this slate that didn't know that Jamal Williams was going to be chalk. He was going to be chalk, and average we have the play action the two million makers the double spy which is single entry and the slant pulled up in front of us right now and kareem hunt was on average 43.85 percent Devonte adams was 16.5 dalvin cook was 10 percent owned Thielen was hold on i'm scrolling to try to find him here two percent owned and Jefferson was 5% or so Jefferson was less than 1% or Jackson or Jefferson was 5%. Jefferson. Yeah. I was looking at Jackson. Um, so where, so a lot of people played Jamal Williams by himself this week. Right. A lot I, and I, I, I did the thing. See, I played a little bit of cook, but very little, uh, but I was playing Thielen and Jefferson. What I saw, uh, the main strategic point on, on this slate for large field GPPs was trying to predict what the field was going to do due to weather. So were they going to under underreact or overreact, right? Was it going to be that like all these wind games, well, we're going to see dramatically decreased ownership or was it going to be minimal or was it no one cared? 
I believed on Saturday based on what, you know, listening around, uh, looking at projections and everything that I didn't think it was going to make that much of a difference. I think Waller's ownership came down. I think Landry's ownership came down. He may have been 10% if it wasn't for the weather, obviously car, you know, that game would have gotten more ownership if it wasn't for the weather. But I think people identified that the thing that the, the, the three players that I was looking to target that I didn't play. I played one guy in a lot of lineups and then I played, I played Jefferson and Thielen, but I played him in lineups with Jamal Williams. So I was playing a lot of Jamal Williams. And if I, in my Adams lineups, I was under the field on Adams. I was under the field on cook, but I was looking if, if the weather's fine in that game and the game goes over, it's very, the Vikings and Packers are two of the most condensed teams. So it's like, if one goes off, the other goes off. So I want them together. And then the other guy that I was over on was Corey Davis. He did great. Me too. What? I was way overweight on him too. Right. Because he's leverage off of Henry, AJ Brown. I mean, it's like you're taking a $5,100 guy. He's even in a price range that many people were not necessarily playing in a construction. So I thought, well, he's negatively correlated to, to chalk pieces in that game. And I'm playing a bunch of AJ Green. So now okay, I could play them opposite each other. I could play them as a run back in burrow stacks. So he became a lot useful. And and, and Corey Davis came in at, at four point, uh, you know, somewhere between three and 7% across contests. And Henry was, you know, nearly 30%. So, and AJ Brown was owned. He was in double digit ownership. So there's Corey Davis. And maybe people will shy away from the passing game and not play Tannehill. So I don't have to worry about those stacks. So it's like, okay, I can play Corey Davis as a one-off or something like that. But can you please tell me, okay, I'm going to point out two players. One, I didn't think I would have to point out, but Britt tweeted about him. <laughs> Why is Nelson Aguilar 8% in the Millie? <clears throat> if I would have told you, if Stevie, if I would have told you before you that, that I even asked you, and I said, what do you think, in the Millie, Nelson Aguilar's ownership would be. Wouldn't your your would your response be like one? I would have said like three percent. Okay, okay. You well, just because like well, just because Edwards got ruled out, and people could have been trailing and making some pivots. So three percent. No, it's an early say. game. There's no pivots. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. No, no, you're right. That would yeah. Was, it was lo- game log watchers. Game log watchers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, okay, that's... I just wanted to point that one out. That that's not that's a just out of the blue, whatever. <laughs> the main one I want to point out is I, I I when I saw this ownership, when I saw this ownership, Stevie, I was I I, I it blew my mind. It it taught like this was this is the ownership that blew my mind more than anything else this entire season. Okay, so the Kansas City Chiefs are 20 point favorites. Okay, I get it. They're going to blow him out, whatever. Uh, their lead running back is, is, is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That's their lead running back who gets a majority of the snaps. <laughs> there was okay. Going. Right. Majority. It, it could be 60, 40, but it's still 60%, right? It's the, at worst it's 50, 50, but at worst. Uh, so he Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who wasn't a value. I mean, he was, he was like, what, 6,500 or something like that? Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the milli was 8%, right? And the mega millionaire was 3%, okay? He's the lead back of that team, of the, of the highest total team. Uh, 
before the slate, before the slate, uh, I was in Discord. Uh, it was a day before Saturday, trying to weigh how owned Le'Veon Bell was going to be. Because if you listen to anything, it's he's playing the Jets. He's getting more work. Andy Reid's giving him more work. We have a it's a one game sample size. And remember, the last game he got he got work. They blew out the other team. I mean, like he got it because he blew it. Because why? Why? They, they were up by so much. So here you go, Le'Veon, go. And he got some series. Okay, I get it. But I mean, there's plenty of running backs in that price range that get 40% of their work too. Justin Jackson's there. We got, I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty. You could have played Naheem Hines. He did well, a little cartwheel or whatever in the end zone. You could have done that. I mean, there's there's a lot, there's a lot of players that fit the same the wrong side of the timeshare type of thing. Uh, so, so in the discord, I'm, uh, when I saw Jimino's ownership, he, he, he put out with his hamster wheel, right? He, he had that on the ownership report because pro- probably just, uh, cause I keep on saying it's Jimino's hamster wheel, uh, that 8%, he pr- projected Le'Veon Bell ownership at 8%. And I went into discord. If you're a premium member, I'm there all the time. Rotogrinders.com slash premium. And I ask, are, are we serious? Is Le'Veon Bell going to be 8% owned? Because I was projecting him to be 3 or 4% owned. So I'm like, are people serious? 8% of people are going to play him? Cause, cause, like, if, if you told me he was 2% owned, I'd be like, ah, oh, maybe I'll get, I'll take a shot. He's 4,600. I'll give it a shot. Maybe, maybe he could get there. Uh, but 8%, no, I just X him out at that point. Because it's like 8%, that's ridiculously too high. One o'clock lock hits. And I'm like, okay, you know, I check around, see whatever, because he's not in any of my lineups. So I, it's like, it's one of those things. You're on your phone. You can't check. You know, who knows? Who knows what it is? Uh, and then I ask in, 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 the, in the Discord, I go, uh, what's Le'Veon Bell's ownership? And when, when, when I heard this number in the Millie, I fell out of my chair, 14.32% owned. I'm like, what? What happened? What happened? Do, do you realize that, that, you know, like projections and everything, like they don't, they don't care about like, about like personal feelings and like coaches look to win games. They're not going to be like, oh, well, I know it's like, we're, we only have a three point lead, but go in there and, and get your revenge if there is any, because we don't even know what's going through their heads. How do you play Le'Veon? If, if I would have told you it was 8%, I think that's way over owned at 14%. I don't even know how you do it. Uh, he scored 6.8 points. It does. It doesn't. To me, it doesn't matter if he got there or not. So it's, if he scored twenty five points, I would be I would be saying the same thing, and say that you you got the donkeys got there or something. I would have done something like that. <laughs> but I mean, Stevie, am I am I saying anything that like, like I know everyone talked about it, about a revenge narrative, but that there's no that's not a metric. There's no quantitative analysis to that. I mean, it, it, and. I'll, I'll, I'll go on the other side because I want I would at least want to defend revenge narratives. Alan Lem will, will destroy me on Twitter. If I do, if I say anything too bad about revenge narratives in basketball, if you want to wait that a little, I kind of get it because like they have the ball at their hand and you know, if they want to take a bunch of shots and go to the, go to the rim, they have the, they have the option of doing that because they, they have the ball in their hand. Uh, what are you the running back of a team when the coach calls the plays? Like you don't have any control whether or not you're even in the game. So like what revenge could be had by, even if he wanted revenge, he needs to have plays called for him. He needs to be on the field. So in NFL, what do I care about revenge game narratives? 
So, so Stevie, now that I said that, how much Levy and Bell did you have? No, I had zero. Um, what's crazy to me when it comes to Levy and Bell is nine percent of people paid a thousand dollars to enter a contest and put Levy on Bell as one of the running backs. <laughs> like, you, there's so many other things that I I could, would have rather done with a uh, thousand bucks, but. It's crazy to me. Um, just looking at some of these ownerships, like the the guy that I think I missed this week the most was probably DJ Dallas. Um, did you like? Did you have any DJ Dallas? Because like he's someone that I I feel like I missed this week. No, I mean I I I could have it just that I didn't have slots. Like it was one of those types. Of, what am I supposed to do? Go from Kamara down to Dallas and leave four thousand on the table? I mean, like, what am I supposed to do? Re- remove a negative correl, remove a positive correlation? Like, like most of most of the lineups, I I had Kamara in, or I had Lockett in the flex. Like, what am I supposed to? I mean, really? Like, I'm, like they don't, Dallas nowhere near projects anywhere near those players. So like the running backs in the late games, I really didn't have much of other than than. I had a little Montgomery, but Montgomery went along with like a Traquan Smith. So like, I'm not breaking that up because it has no Seattle, San Francisco, San Francisco pieces in it. So it was more of the fact of it's not like I didn't, I didn't want DJ Dallas. It's just that from a raw point perspective, like I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to leave three game on the table just to get him. If that news comes out at 11 30 12 o'clock dj dallas is probably what 10 percent more than what he ended up being yeah and i'll and i would have been three times that he would have been my cash line i would have i would have i would have not played probably not played kamar and i would have st- i would have paid i probably would have ended up getting from like aj green to tyler lockett and ended up doing worse right it would have eh, would have came out to about the same amount of points well dj dallas had 22 lockett had like five yeah it would have been a wash anyway but yeah, I would have done so. I would have done something like that. I would have had a lot more in GPP uh, to go as a secondary correlation, or in a stack with Garoppolo, you know, with my Ayuk and Kittle and Bourne, those types of things. But uh, and even then, Travis Homer was active, but he barely played. Yeah, and like Keenan Allen, uh, I feel like people played Keenan Allen alone a lot this week, um, at, and we knew he was going to be. Chalky, um, like, and, and there was pivots too, right? Like Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, um, there was pivots, and I played Noah Fant a lot this week, and like he was like three to five percent. Oh, like I guess I can look now, but like, no, I saw the Noah Fant. He was three percent owned on average. Yeah, yeah. Noah Fant was my highest exposed tight end. He would yeah, fit in just... that range because people would play like Henry or Smith. And people would either pay up or something. So I'm like, if I'm going to play Keenan Allen in my lineups, and I wanted to play Keenan Allen in my GPP lineups, I'm going to play him with with something else, with something, right? It's going to be Keenan Allen and Jerry Judy. It's going to be Keenan Allen and KJ Hamler. Not like a lot of them, but most of my Ham, uh, Allen lineups had no offense because it's correlated to Allen and it's leverage at tight end. So it, it fit perfectly together. So in the lineups that don't have Kittle or Kelsey or something like that. And then if it, if I don't have Kittle in the lineup, right, you have to think even in the next level. So now you're going to play Allen and Fant. You're getting leverage off a of Kittle, which means you shouldn't be playing like a Jimmy G Ayuk 
lineup because if Jimmy G does well, probably Kittle does well. So, and then if that doesn't work, then you don't play Seattle in that lineup. So it's kind of like, if you're trying to get leverage off a of Kittle, you probably shouldn't have a lineup that has a player from that entire game in it. I mean, just from a, a probabilities perspective, obviously any individual player could go off. Uh, so that was my thought process of, Oh, how do I get correlated? So I could at least be different from the other Keenan Allen lineups as well as get leverage at a position. And, uh, and then the other lineups that I played, I would play Hunter Henry or I played Mike Williams. I played a bunch of him, you know, do something like that. But like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself as a large field GPP player to play a lot of Keenan Allen one-offs. Yeah. Like, you know, there's so many, there's so many plays this week, like AJ green, T Higgins and Boyd averaged out to about 40% ownership. And like Corey Davis was less than 5% owned. And like, I don't want to just highlight guys that did well. Um, like I, I played, I played some Kenny Galladay this week. Like I played uh, way too much of him this week. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's not always like guys that just work out that we're trying to highlight. Like I played some Gaskin um, Cooper cup teams. Like there was the dolphins are terrible against slot guys and like guys like Cooper cup who are going to be, you know, one-on-one a lot can really take advantage of the dolphins when it comes to that. So there was a lot of different plays that did really well. Like I didn't play any Demarcus Robinson, but he was the same price as Mims and he crushed Mims at like 20 to 30% less ownership. So like, I don't want to point out like like I played um some bird like he was a cheap wide receiver that I had looked at um because New England was missing a lot of guys and I wanted to be a little different I didn't want to have a ton of mims in tournaments so I played bird he put up like six seven seven fantasy points like Hardman put up twenty two like I'm not we're not doing this show like just talking about guys that get there. Like I could tell you some of my correlations this week and they were terrible, but I would do it as I would do it again next week. Like when I'm building my teams next week, I'm still going to have the same type of builds. Like I had a lot of Rogers and Adams and Thielen stacks this week. Um, I was really high on that game. Like a lot of my stacks this week were Cincinnati, Tennessee. That was a game that I was very high on this week. So and I still ended up playing some of the Cleveland stacks. Like, I, I still like that game that I, I liked even more that it's going to be low. And, like, that game sucked. Like, you know? But if I know a game has the potential to be really good and everybody is going to be on the running game, like, there's po- – like, I played Mayfield, Landry, Waller stacks. Like, I, I would do the same thing again next week. Like, run it right back. Right. My, my number one correlation in GPPs was the injury correlation of Kenny Galladay and T.Y. Hilton. Right. I, I went with the, <laughs> I, my angle on the slate was my my num- my top own my top three own stacks were the dome game, the Colts and the Lions and the, and the Chiefs. That, that, that was that was what the stand that I was taking Uh the problem with the cults is that they could throw to God knows how many people, but that's the reason why people stay away from them. I'm willing to embrace the ambiguity. I didn't get there, but the, the, the benefits, you have two benefits of correlation. When you, when the game does get there, 
you have a good shot. You have a shot at first place. But here's another benefit, especially if you're playing multiple lineups, for instance. Let's say you're playing the 20 max. So it doesn't mean you're playing 150 or anything. 20, 20 lineups. Let's say you dedicated 10 to that. Since you're playing correlated lineups, like I said it in the Discord when, when Galladay got injured and Hilton was ruled out, I said, well, there goes the third of my lineups. And like, I'm fi- fine. There goes a third of my lineups. But since I pair people together so much, my Kenny Galladay zeros are with my T.Y. Hilton fours. So like, those are going to come in last place, but I don't. it doesn't matter anymore. I just don't want my Kenny Galladay zeros messing up my chief stacks. I don't want, so since I'm playing correlated lineups, if, if the game sucks, if you stack the, the, the if, hey, Stevie, if you did your Mayfield, uh, Landry, Waller teams, like you just burn them. Like you don't have to worry about like, well, what happens if Landry is in another, like it's most likely with Waller, they both do bad and they're sitting at the bottom of GPPs. But if you're playing 20 lineups even, like you're just looking for one. You, you could come 19 to come in last place if you have the one right combo. But when people play these one-offs and all over the place, like what ends up happening is that even if you do play 150 lineups, that this is how people get optimizers wrong and everything. And they go, oh, I had all the right pieces in the wrong lineups. It's like, yeah, because you had, I call it infecting other lineups. Like I don't want, <laughs> I don't want these guys that could, you know, bust like this. It's like, well, if Kenny Galladay is going to do great, well, that means Stafford's going to do great. So, and and if Mar- Marvin Jones is cheap enough that a touchdown gets him to value, so I could play him as a one-off. But Galladay, it's like, no, I want to kind of tie him to to Stafford and to and to Rivers as a runback. So if that game doesn't get there, if Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins is touchdowns and Marvin Hall's out there because Galladay's injured, like. The lineup comes, I, get, I have 67 points in that lineup, but it's not infecting a, a lineup that has 210 that could possibly win because obviously got, those guys are not correlated to the Chiefs game stack or the or the the, 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 the Cook-Adams correlation or something like that because you're not going to be able to have a $6,700 wide receiver in that type of lineup. So that's kind of the benefit that you also get from correlated lineups that, hey, I'd rather my bad players all be bunched together. If one player is going to do bad, I wouldn't have all my zeros in one lineup. I just, I, I know Chop says it a lot. It's like he just, he just, he just doesn't, doesn't want duds. He looks at his lineup and goes, if I could just avoid duds, I have a shot at first place. And if you're going to have duds, you'd rather have all your duds in one place rather than zeros and twos across all of your lineup. I think that's a good place to stop for week eight. Um, I don't have anything else. Like, I think one of the biggest things this week was like that Cincinnati Tennessee game. Like, a lot of those Cincinnati guys got a lot of ownership, and a lot of people ran it back with Henry and just kind of forgot about like Corey Davis and the wide receivers and Smith and stuff. So, um, you got anything else, Jordan? You good? No, other than uh, then. Uh... I don't know. Do 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 I have to do we have to uh, do we have to lower the revenge narrative algorithm in in the in the roto grinders projections? 
Le'Veon Bell didn't even project well. It's not like like oh, I just it. It's not like he even projected. If he projected well, I'm like okay, fine. You want to add the revenge? You want to sprinkle a little revenge narrative over that for a couple of points? Okay, fine, I get it. But he was like they, they like point per dollar wise, like 18th on the board, and he comes in as like the fifth. The fifth. He he was he was the second highest owned chief. Like Tyreek Hill was just above him. He almost was the highest owned chief. And I, I, it blows my mind, but this is all recency bias and all, these are all psychological biases that you should kind of take out of your game and exploit in others. So like, that's why I'm bringing up, if you play probably there's plenty of people that listen, that are listening right now that played Levy and Bell in your layer lineup. I'm, I, how do you play that at 14% ownership? It just, it's, it's, it's never, it's, it's negative EV. So like, that's the only that's the only point that I'm then bringing up. If he was 2%, I don't think he was a bad play, but a 4%, 14%. I know I'm going to get tweets now. I know I'm going to get tweets, Stevie, of people that probably came in like, like, you know, so they won a bunch of money with Levy and Bell in their lineup. And I'm just going to say to them, it's like, well, you would have gotten first place if you turned that into DJ Dallas. <laughs> um, yeah, like you, like you said, basketball, I get it. It's different. I like catchers against um, pitchers that they used to catch for. Like, that's just a personal preference thing. Like, uh, but yeah, uh, football narratives, like how often they really hit. And like the thing with Lev Bell, too, is like he's not what he was in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, he never came off the field. He had two or three good wide receivers that opened things up for him all the time. Like good blocking tight ends. Like. It's just not the same situation. Like there's a guy in front of him in this offense. Like he's not going to play 85% of the snaps. So uh, we're going to get out of here. That's it for Monday. Make sure you guys are checking out theory of DFS.com. It's $125, 15 hour master audio class that um, Jordan did with James McCool. You guys can check that out over there. If you have any questions, hit him up on Twitter. That'll wrap it up for Monday. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We'll be back tomorrow talking something. Good luck in your contest, and we'll see you then. (laughs)